Hey, welcome to Stirring Faith with Cherry Strange. Thank you for joining me today. Stirring Faith aims to lead women to desire more of God in their everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Now, let's get started. Hey there, I'm Cherry Strange, your host. This is a special week as we move toward the celebration of Easter. These days are particularly important to remember the life, the impact, the sacrifice, the death and the resurrection of Jesus that makes eternal life possible. In the life and ministry of Jesus, the Bible provides life-giving words that Jesus offered to those who had ears to hear, promises, words filled with hope, with love and power that no one else could offer. These we like to focus our minds and our hearts upon to find courage in the face of fear, strength when we have none, and light in places of darkness when we don't know what to do. But there are other truths as impactful to move us to become more like Jesus, to experience more victory, more power, and to know His love more deeply and hope more soundly. We just don't like them. If we were honest, there's some truth Jesus taught we would like to forget. But if you and I want to truly follow Jesus, to know Him like Paul yearned to know Him as he wrote to the Philippian church, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Him from the dead. And as he was in prison, he could say, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Today, I want to bring to light six truths Jesus taught that we would like to forget that are worth considering and even essential to being an obedient follower of Christ. The first one is to forgive as you have been forgiven. The very words of Jesus read this, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's Matthew 6, 14. This is not optional. Only something for super Christians, missionaries, pastors, and the like. Or if the person that needs the forgiveness is remorseful who has hurt you. It's an if-then relationship that you and I take for granted often. It's very much illustrated in the story Jesus tells about the servant who owed like a gazillion dollars to the master, begged for his life and pardon, and received the mercy that he so desperately wanted. And he gets off scot-free. The master is completely merciful to him. Then the guy turns around to his fellow servant who owed him like 50 bucks and grabbed him by the throat, threatened his life, demanded payment, and forgot all the mercy that he was just shown. And so his friend saw all this, and he, they told the master about it, that he refused to extend this same gift he had just received for the measly debt that was owed to him by his colleague. The amount of pardon that you and I receive from the Lord versus what we are asked to give to others is demonstrated here. They're worlds apart. But thankfully, we are not on our own to do what is humanly impossible. The Holy Spirit enables where the flesh fails. I just finished reading about this amazing woman who was just a mom and just a wife and her town was attacked with the intent of killing all the Christians in the town. And everybody had to try to escape. And many lost their lives brutally right before her eyes. And this woman experienced more atrocities than most of us can 
imagine in a horror movie at one point in fact i just had to put the book down and literally grab my face because of what was happening to her and her children and there was nothing she could do all because she believed in jesus and these people were vicious they were horrible killers and they changed her life forever and she talked about the struggle not to hate not to burn with the same fuel of want of their destruction that they possessed for her she was different and without a bible without anyone else to help her the holy spirit within her enabled her miraculously to forgive i doubt you and i have the magnitude of atrocity performed that i read about in this woman but i'm certain that there are people in your life who have hurt you deeply maybe situations that keep returning to your mind that are painful reminders of unresolved conflict that haunt your mind they invade your sleep or or maybe it's broken relationships i'm not here sounding a horn or how you should do it better i'm here saying hey this elephant in the room stepping on your foot i have one on in my room too (laughs) stepping on my own foot and jesus has shown us a better way but sometimes we choose to ignore it because it seems too difficult it's time we heed his instructions ask for divine help and willingly offer ourselves to forgive because we have been forgiven that's a truth that is reliable in his person and it's one we don't like to cling to but it is one we need so that's the first one the second one is love your enemies Jesus begins to quote a familiar saying to his hearers, but then he adds something radical you and I would rather not embrace ourselves. He says, You've heard it said, You shall love your neighbor, your fellow man. Hate your enemy. But I say to you, love, that is, unselfishly seek the best or higher good for. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's Matthew 5, 43 and 44. That's where their mouths probably dropped open and most people mentally check out. But Jesus explains the reason. He's not done. Why would we do that? Why would we love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us? So that you may show yourselves to be the children of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on those who are evil and on those who are good. And makes the rain to fall on the righteous, those who are morally right, and the unrighteous, the unrepentant, those who oppose him. For if you love only those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do that? And if you greet only your brothers, wishing them God's blessing and peace, what more than others are you doing? Do not even the Gentiles, who do not know the Lord, do that. Is this different? Absolutely. Does anyone else act this way? Not really. Does it seem kind of foolish and naive to do something like this? Well, yes, it kind of does. But Jesus is saying, you should look different than the average nice guy who's nice to his friends. These behaviors will make those around you and those around me do a double take, asking, why do we act this way? Why are we so different? And then we are able to demonstrate for them and show them and tell them why we are different. It's because we are Christians. And that's the whole purpose in it, so that we would look different. But it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult, and we would rather do it the other way. So that's number two. Number three is to take up your cross. Often we don't even know what this means, to take up our cross like Jesus did. This teaching sounds so dreadful and so burdensome. 
Listen to how it's written in the amplified version. It's a little more descript. And he who does not take his cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come and follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example and living, and if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me is not worthy of me. That's Matthew 10, 38. There it is. Expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come, believing in me. That language sort of captures the picture of carrying your cross daily, doesn't it? What I picture when it's described in this manner is my wedding vows. We took traditional vows to each other to stick it out through sickness and health, richer or for poorer, and I've added through hair plugs and bridges <laughs> till death do us part. We stood there some 29 years ago and made a commitment to endure whatever may come. And that is the same kind of thing we find here, a willingness to endure whatever may come, to keep believing in Him. Maybe it will be fantabulous, days and seasons filled with joy and wonderful things. But maybe there's going to be difficult times too. Just in a life of marriage, there's going to be seasons that are difficult. And carrying your cross is very much like that. It's a willingness to endure whatever may come. That's what this teaching is all about. That's the one we like to ignore, but that's what it's about. Number four, don't waste your life. In Matthew 25, we find three illustrations by Jesus that teach sort of along the same lines, the same truth. The first is in the story of the ten virgins waiting for the groom. Now, don't get sidetracked there by feeling like this is too weird, like the Bible version of The Bachelor. Like, why are ten virgins waiting on a single groom? (laughs) That's another podcast for another day. Stick with the storyline here. The point of the story is that all ten of them fall asleep in the waiting. Nobody's watching. And when it's go time, Half of them were not prepared, and they didn't get to go in. He says in uh, verse 13, Therefore, be on the alert. Be prepared and ready, for you do not know the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will come. The second illustration is sort of the same point. The story of the talents. A landowner plans to go on a long journey, and before he leaves, he entrusts three of his servants with money. To one he gives five To one he gives two, and to the third servant he gives one. When he returns, he finds the first two had put their money to work immediately and had doubled it. In essence, they had faithfully used what had been entrusted to them to the best of their ability. But the last servant buried his because he was afraid of the landowner. He didn't trust him and didn't do anything with the talent he was given. He didn't lose anything when the master returned, but that was not the point. The first two were praised for their faithfulness and given more responsibility. But listen to what Jesus says to the third one. He says, But his master answered him, You wicked, lazy servant! You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter. Then you ought to have put my money with the bankers. And at my return, I would have received my money back with interest. So take the talent away from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has and values his blessings and gifts from God and has used them wisely, more will be given and will be richly supplied so that he will have an abundance. This is the Amplified Version. But from the one who does not have, because he has ignored and disregarded his blessings and gifts from God, even what he does have will be taken away. And throw out the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place of grief and torment, there will be weeping of sorrow and pain and grinding of teeth over distress and anger. The final story to drive this point home is about the final judgment. Jesus says that all will be gathered and separated. Those on the king's right, he will commend for giving to him 
when he was poor or thirsty or in prison. And they will say, O king, when do we see you in these conditions? And he will say, as you have done it to the least of these, you have done it unto me. But on the flip side, to those on his left, he condemned for not giving to him when he was poor or thirsty or in prison. And they were shocked. O king, when did we not help you when you were in these conditions? And he said, when you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it for me. And in verse 46, he said, then these unbelieving people will go away into eternal unending punishment. But those who are righteous and in right standing with God will go by his remarkable grace into eternal unending life. The point we often miss here is the harsh reality of missing the gospel message. You can't Put off making the decision to follow Christ, saying, I'll wait until whatever. That we learn from the first story. And we can't be sort of in and sort of out. There's no middle ground. If you're not ready, if you're not in Christ when he returns, you will not be invited in. The second illustration is a reminder to be faithful in all he has made you to be and all he has entrusted to you. And the third, that your life will reflect you are. In all three, a common thread is not to waste your life, not to squander it on yourself and to miss the gospel. Don't focus on yourself as a believer and neglect what God has entrusted to you. And remember that saying you are a believer is not the same as a life that demonstrates that reality in cold, hard evidences. He is keeping track, not that we earn salvation by it or that it's how we are justified, but that every life that has been transformed, that's been made new, should bear fruit. Jesus is using vivid and varied illustrations to get our attention. Don't waste your life. Carpe diem. Seize the day. It's what he's communicating. And we don't want to miss this truth that he's conveying right here in Matthew 25. The next one is simply Jesus is better. Before Jesus walked the planet, the covenant people of God were given detailed instructions about how to deal with their sin. It had to be dealt with over and over, year after year, with the death of an animal demonstrating that blood must be shed to pay for sin. But this system simply painted the way for Jesus. It prepared the people for what was to come a better way. The writer of Hebrews spends 10 chapters explaining to his Jewish audience how Jesus is God's plan. He's gone through the whole system. He's talked about the job of the priest and how Jesus is better than angels and then prophets and even Moses. And he moves into how the sacrificial system that they've practiced all those years was never perfect but a picture a preparation for the perfecter for dealing with our sins. And and this is what he says in chapter 10. Uh, This is starting in verse 3. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, and this is a quote from Jesus, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired. But a body have you prepared for me. He's talking to God. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. And the writer of Hebrews continues by saying, When he said above, You have neither desired or taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once 
and for all. And then he adds in a couple of verses later, that when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin himself, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sacrificed. What the writer of Hebrews is explaining for the entire letter so far in 10 chapters is this statement from Hebrews 8, 6. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises. It's better. Jesus is better in all ways, in all fashions. He is better. If I were to write a book or a Bible study about Hebrews, that's exactly what I would hone in on, that Jesus is better. But Jen Wilkin just wrote one, and it's called Better, or Jesus is Better, or something like that. I'm going to link it because I'm sure it's fabulous, because she does such good work in this area. But that is my prayer for you. As you're thinking about Easter, Jesus is just better. He is teaching this truth in his words, which the Hebrew writer quoted, and by his actions, by becoming the perfect sacrifice that satisfies the wrath of God for our atonement. He became sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is Jesus. He tells us right after this, therefore, we can draw near in the fullness of faith because he who promised with all the promises is faithful. I mean, look at what he's done in this act. That's what the writer is trying to tell us. Not only is Jesus better, Jesus is the best thing ever. Now, the last one is simply go. I'm not saying we don't know this is what Jesus taught. I'm simply saying we like to forget that it's there. We would rather stay. But instead, it's there for us, toward us. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Help the people to learn of me, is what the Amplified says. Believe in me and obey my words, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. We know this truth taught by Jesus. It's what we're supposed to do. It doesn't say how you and I are supposed to be involved, but we are entrusted with the responsibility today in 2021 as they were in 30 AD. I do think it is interesting that as he spoke these words to the people in 30 AD, they did not do this. <laughs> they went back to their home base just like we would have done, and they stayed there together until the death of Stephen, where there was great disbursement, and they never settled all together again. I think you and I have experienced something like that in recent days. I, I think back on the past year, where suddenly we found ourselves blocked out of our home bases. No one was worshiping together in our own churches. We couldn't even gather. We had to do things differently. We had to scatter into our neighborhoods meet people we've not met before, begin relationships that had not yet begun. And I really wonder if this experience can be a part of God ushering us out into our spaces, literally like the early church, to live this out in our day. To go, to go down the street, go around the block, to strike up that conversation, to go across the internet, to find new ways, to think differently about how we've not been going, or maybe just rethink the whole thing. What if we pray to find out what going and making disciples and baptizing them and teaching them were to look like in 2021 for us? What if we decided to embrace these 
few truths rather than to push them under the table. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for me. As you're thinking about Easter and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus in this season, that you would think too of what we'd sometimes rather forget. To forgive as you have been forgiven. To love your enemies. To take up your cross, whatever may come. Not to waste your life. That Jesus is indeed better. And to go in new ways or whatever way he might send us. Now, don't forget that the resources are there and they're available on the website to take you beyond the sessions that we talk about in these topics. Remember, we're offering these for free for you to download right now. You will be able to access a 30-day reading plan that's undated, so you can go ahead and start it today for your personal study. And then there's a 30-day scripture writing guide because we don't learn it if we don't write it down and begin to get it into our heads. And then there's some journal pages to assist you with that so that you can just easily print them. They're 8.5 by 11. makes it super simple. There's a link in the show notes as well as uh, a bar across the top for you to get that plan. That's how you're going to get it. Have a great Easter, and I look forward to being with you next week on the Stirring Faith Podcast. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Stirring Faith Podcast. We plan to release a new episode once a week, and I would invite you to become a subscriber because it makes it so much easier. Please remember to rate, review, and share the podcast. You may never know of the difference that you can make by just making a recommendation and sharing a resource. So please pass along what you find here. Don't keep it to yourself. It's so easy to do. Post it from Spotify into your stories. I would personally be grateful. And remember, there is more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful resources at your fingertips. Just go to www.sheyearns.com where you're going to find more reading plans, videos, articles, and other resources, more than there's ever been before, to help stir more desire for God into your everyday life. I'm Cherry Strange, and it is always a pleasure to meet you here.